Our series is on life verses, and we're looking at, we've asked people in the congregation to let us know uh, what their life verse is, if they have one, and um, maybe it's uh, a verse that's powerful throughout your life, or maybe uh, had to do with some early experience or some aspiration. We've had a lot of <clears throat> good uh, references given to us. Today, we're going to look at one that came from Kathy Zamorano, who is willing for me to tell you it came from her, but does not want to be grilled <laughs> up here. So thank you, Kathy. And she says, this verse has gotten me through life. So here is the verse that she chose. It's really two verses from Romans uh, chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, on the basis of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What a good choice. And of course, most of us who are uh, older than, yeah, dirt, if we learned that verse, learned it in the King James translation, which is a little different, and we'll refer to some of those differences this morning. Uh, it begins with a phrase, um, I appeal to you. Now, in the King James version, that says, I beseech you, which is, feels like a stronger word, although we don't use that word at all today. So it's probably good to replace it with, I appeal. What it clearly does not say is, I command you. It's an act of your will that the Apostle Paul is appealing to or beseeching. He's asking you to act through this verse. And he, he says, brothers and sisters, in the version I read, but of course, in the King James, it says brothers. And in modern versions, they try to be more inclusive and make it uh, cover brothers and sisters, which is probably the intent. On the basis of the mercy of God, now listen, to present your bodies. What does he focus on the body here? Well, those who have studied this feel that the body is a uh, a kind of a summary for the whole person. It's, it's not just, you know, giving your mind asset um, and your feelings, but actually your in-flesh living body to the Lord. It's that whole person dedication. But there's another reason the word bodies is used here. And that is because the whole image of sacrifice now, in the King James Version, at the end, it says, uh, at verse 1, it says, which is your reasonable service. And the word service in this translation, which I read, 
is translated as worship. And it is the word for a worship service that is regularly used in the Bible to refer to the service in the temple. So this whole verse, when we look at it from that point of view, has to do with a sacrifice in the temple. The words that are chosen are reminiscent of that. The word present is the word that was used in the Greek for the priest presenting the offering on the sacrificial altar. So our bodies or our whole persons are on that altar. And we are presenting ourselves in that way. Where that's what we're being called upon to do. The word sacrifice. Now there are no other uses of that word. That word just means sacrifice. It refers to the Old Testament sacrifice in worship. And that sacrifice is the killing of an animal. So you are putting yourself in the position of that animal to be sacrificed. And then holy and acceptable, those are words that are used in the Old Testament of the kinds of uh, sacrifices brought to God in the temple. Now, if you go back and read the book of Romans, you're going to see that Paul, he was writing to a church which he apparently had never visited, so he's introducing himself. And he knows that the church includes both uh, converted Jews who have accepted Jesus and also Gentiles who have become part of the body. And you know from the book of Acts that there was a conflict about this, that the uh, combining Gentile converts with Jews in the early church was not an easy matter. And there was a big council about it, which is recorded in Acts 15. But church history tells us that this issue went on for quite a while. The inclusion of both Jews and Gentiles as part of the body. This is a subject of chapters 8 through uh, 10, just preceding, uh, through 11, just preceding chapter 12. It's all about the application of Jewish practices to the Gentile life in the church. So this sacrifice image fits in with all of that. Paul had been talking about all of that. And now he's making it very personal when he says, I appeal to you by, on the basis of God's mercy, God has provided a way of connecting with him. And it is for you to present your bodies a sacrifice, which is your reasonable worship. That is only reasonable for you to do. There's a wonderful word in there that kind of differentiate things. It is the word living. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. There was no such thing in the Old Testament practice as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice by its nature was dead. The blood was shed. That's part of the ritual. But when you present your, yourself to the Lord, you're presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. And you're going to now honor him by the way you live. That's what that verse is asking us to commit to. 
That's really powerful. And it's really asking a lot. So if we make that decision, and I, I presume that anyone who chooses this as a life verse has had an experience of personal conversion, uh, a time when they made this their experience, and say, now that I am a living sacrifice, and that's what my life is all about, then uh, how do I live? What do I do? What are the new rules? Ha, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age or to this world. We are conformed by that which shapes us. There have been conversations about how fathers can shape us and parents. Um, the world around us shapes us. But we're not just adopting a new shaper when we accept the Lord. Now the world has shaped me. Now God is going to shape me. What are the ground rules? No, no, no. This is being transformed from within. Being transformed from within. See, because you're a living sacrifice. And this new life is what is transforming you. And that is the way the Christian life should emerge. Sometimes we find ourselves being imitation Christians and trying to do what everybody else does. But that's, that's, not, that's not really the life of Christ. The life of Christ is being transformed from within. Both those words, conformed and transformed, are long words in the Greek. And uh, <clears throat> the second one of these is a long form of the word metamorphosis. In the Greek, it actually is that. That's where we get our word, metamorphosis. So what happens in nature when an insect or other creatures uh, shed their old self, the new self within emerges. A butterfly from a cocoon where a caterpillar had wrapped himself up emerges transformed from within. That's the image. And that is what the Lord is about in our lives. A living sacrifice being transformed from within so that you may discern what is the will of God? Now that word discern in the, uh, in the King James says prove, that you may prove what is the will of God. It may mean uh, that you may demonstrate in your life what the will of God is. It's, it's the opposite of saying, okay, here is a list of rules. I'm living that way, therefore I'm doing the will of God. No, no, it is being transformed with, from within and demonstrating what the will of God is by the new life within you. This is a radical idea. And, and I would say most Christians throughout history have missed it because they, they all try to live by external rules to be conformed to the image of what Christians, Christians ought to be, which is dominant in the world in which they grow up in their particular Christian community. What a great life verse. It's a, it's a life verse for a moment of acceptance of the Lord in salvation. That that's what you're saying. I want to be that kind of living sacrifice being transformed from within. And also, we repeatedly come to places in our life where 
we realize we've been shaped by external circumstances. We've been shaped by the world around us, by attitudes. We need to come back to this place of sacrifice. And we need to, again, uh, be renewed so that we are transformed from within. Oh, wow. But if you stop there and you memorize that life verse, here's a good example of, of what's wrong with taking Bible verses out of context. Because what Paul says next is astounding. Right after that verse, now he gave us a clue by when he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Why the plural? Because he's talking to you and you and you and you. He's talking to a bunch of individuals who are going through the process of becoming living sacrifices and emerging as the new metamorphosis, the new uh, expression of the life of Christ. So in the next paragraph, he builds on the community of believers. If we are all that kind of person, that living sacrifice. 4, verse 3. By the grace given to me, I say to every among, one among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. All right. It's not about you. Did you know that? It, 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 it's about us. It's about something much bigger than us. It's, so how you fit into the body of Christ, it, you've got to learn not to think of yourself more highly. To think of these people around you as either supporting or negating that life of Christ in you. No, they are there as part of a body that fits together. Listen to what Paul says. For by the grace given to me, Paul had the grace of being an apostle. So he could see this. By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Okay, think it's Father's Day. You're going to get some cards, guys, and you're going to think pretty well. Uh, at some point in the day, stop and think with sober judgment. You know, you're missing a lot. There are a lot of ways in which we all fail, our kids, our family. Sober judgment is important if we're going to be what God wants us to be. And then each of us, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Maybe you don't have the faith yet to look at yourself as you really are. But that's the goal, to see yourself in the context of the body of believers. You're a living sacrifice, being transformed from within, but so is that person, and that person, and that person. And the church is all of those people fitting together. Verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in a proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, 
the encourager and encouragement, the giver in sincerity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. We are all different, and to expect the other person to be like this is to ask them to deny who they are, who the Lord is transforming them from within to be. So we have to move out of the way for each other and not tell each other how to be. See, we're one body in Christ. So we together express who he is. And we all have different gifts. But these gifts are mutually enabling. So if I am practicing my gift the way that God is transforming me to be, then I should be an encourager to you because he's put it all together. He is the one who has arranged all of this. And it gets even better in verse 9. Let, now there's love on top of that, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in afflictions. Persevere in prayer. Conti contribute to the needs of the saint. Pers pursue hospitality to strangers. Okay. So all of this comes when we are together in the body of Christ. When we acknowledge that we're only part of the body, when we let each other be who they are in the body, by God's grace, not by our dictate, or what some list of rules say, but we are honoring one another in that way. And there's a clue in the, in the last verse I read, verse 13, that this does not only bless the body, but it spills over to the people who are collecting food down here. Look. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality to strangers. When the church is operating the way Paul outlines here, it is not just a blessing to itself, and to, we, we're all enriched by it, but the rest of the world is touched by it. Wow, man, this is a picture. Kathy, do you see what you've started? And then it gets really radical. Verse 14, all over the place. When, when this is working, bless those who persecute you. Oh, yeah, I do that every day. You, and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. I'm not looking at anybody right now. <clears throat> Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. Rising above all the feelings and all of the dramas, rising above it and doing what God is causing you to do by the gift that he's given to you. If it is possible, verse 18, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. It is written, written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, 
man, how far out does this go? If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by so doing this, by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Uh-oh, wait a minute. I don't want to be motivated by that. Do not, and here, when Kathy put the verse down, she said verse 20 and 21, I mean verse 11 and 12 and verse 21. So this was also part of her life verse. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a summary. That's a summary of all this. It all begins with you giving yourself as a living sacrifice and allowing the Lord to transform you from within and then being part of a body of believers in which everybody is doing that. And isn't it wonderful that the church is always like that? Well, Baptist churches are always like that. Well, this Baptist church is always like that. Embrace everything good and reject everything bad. That's what we do together when we obey the Lord in this way. The miracle of church fellowship. I can't even remember where I read this phrase, but it really grabbed me. The miracle of church fellowship turns self-sacrifice into self-actualization. When we are in this kind of body of Christ, that what started as self-sacrifice, a living sacrifice, ends up being magnification of who you are. See, it's a very rare experience. Maybe we have had magic moments. I hear nostalgia from people about moments in this church or in other churches they've been part of. And I wish it were always like that. Well, trouble with nostalgia is uh, nostalgia ain't what it used to be. That's what Norm Reinhardt taught me. And, um, and, and things, you know, things that we remember that way were never so great. But also, the truth is, there are pockets in this church where this is happening right now. You, sometimes it gets by us, you know, but in those moments when a worship team comes together and puts all their weaknesses together into something that is strength, that's an expression of the miracle of church fellowship. And, and we need to allow that and cultivate that and honor that. It only takes two or three of us acting selfishly, nursing her feelings, whatever. You know, it takes the edge off of things. But by God's grace, the miracle of church fellowship is still there. Why is it so fragile? Why, why did God, God let it be up to us? Why can we mess up so easily? Paul answers that in another passage in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. This is really interesting. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's what the King James says. This translation says in clay jars. The translation I like is clay pots. That's what you are. That's what I am. And we have the treasure, which is that transforming life of Christ 
in clay pots, and the darn clay pots are so breakable and fragile and, and sometimes kind of misshapen. Why, why does God do it that way? So that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Wow. Magic moments in church fellowship, in any church, at any time, those magic moments can come. For me, in my history of how many years now as a pastor, there have been some magic moments that usually blindsided me. They weren't planned, they happened. And they happened because somebody expressed something that opened other people's lives and new things happened. It's wonderful when that happens. One of the most amazing things is that first looked like self-sacrifice, you know, that living sacrifice. Sounds so dark and some people have made it dark. Self-sacrifice is like self-denial, it's self, -denial. It's self abrogation, it's self-flagellation, it's beating yourself up, it's saying woe is me, it's all the negative, negative thing. That self-sacrifice can turn into self-actualization in the body of Christ. Really. Because our gifts are different and we are really operating to magnify each other's gifts, interacting in a healthy church family to honor the other and what we see of Christ in the other. And then the other is encouraged to be who they are, to be different, to be unique. The great, great thing that uh, seems to be a modern attitude today, do your thing, you be you. Well, first of all, you gotta, you got to figure out who you is, and that's quite a journey. But that begins, really, for us with verse 11 and 12, presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. And when we begin that and allow the transformation to begin from within, then we can become who God wants us to be, who we were meant to be. We don't have to be everything. We can be that one thing. And we have a person next to us who is being who they are and another person who's being who they are. And we're not competing, but we're magnifying each other. Then the you who is being you can, can, can just be a star, as long as you don't think you're a star. You be you. But, you know, people who don't take the step, the second step, of being part of a church fellowship in its reality, are losing out on so much. Loner Christians are losing out on so much. And God has brought us together. I think it, it's a wonderful thing that we have the opportunity to help each other blossom.
Lord, we thank you for a moment when we see the connection between what you're doing in each of our lives individually and what you're doing in the church and how it all brings honor to you when we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. When we honor one another and the gifts that each of us has by God's grace, we pray that you will help us to renew our commitment as being a living sacrifice, each of us, that we may sacrifice our self-aggrandizement, our accomplishments, whatever it is stands in the way of being who you want us to be. And just shine through us, live through us, help us to embrace and magnify each other. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.